1: This content may not be suitable for all audiences. Listener discretion advised.
2: I looked down there and nothing moved or, or spoke or came forward, and I freaked the fuck out.
1: I then locked the bedroom door. I sat there with my taser out and hit the panic button on the phone app.
3: You could hear the fear in his voice as he turned to face us, then we all saw it. A misty figure formed with the surrounding fog in the shape of a human just behind the candle. From Disturbed Media, join your host, Chad, for true
2: tales of horror, bizarre happenings, and unexplainable events. This is Disturbed.
4: Welcome back in, everyone, and thanks for joining me. This week, I'm bringing you four true tales that will frighten and disturb. So sit back and listen close as we dive into the horror. We open the show hearing from Reddit user Scare Country, featuring voice work by John Patnode, and we're on the list to be the next victim. Over
0: four years ago, I went to work at a warehouse in the small town that I'm from. I decided to leave after my health started to get worse physically and I was diagnosed with a panic disorder and severe anxiety after the situation that I'm about to tell you. This changed the way that I developed friendships after that job, that's for certain. So I started this job on April Fool's Day of 2018, which was odd to me. And I had no kind of high expectation of the job. All I wanted to do was my job, get paid, and go home, as I had two children at home and many things that I could work on there. The job wasn't hard, and it made pretty good money for all the duties considered, so I really couldn't complain. I worked second shift for about five months, and then I went to day shift. While working on the second shift, I kept to myself mostly, until one day, I met someone from one of the other lines after we struck up a conversation about gaming. For the sake of anonymity, we'll call him J.F., Well, JF was a pretty good guy, and we had a lot of things in common. I went home that night, and he popped up as a suggested friend on Facebook. Again, another oddity, so I decided to add him. When I did, we started talking more at work until he suggested that we should hang out, so we did hang out. Pretty frequently. We were friends for a month at this point, and one day, he decided that he was going to introduce me to his partner. She seemed decent at first, super nice... Didn't seem to be a judgmental type, so I was cool with her. From then on, I would hang out with him when my kids were spending time with his mother. One time, we were talking at a restaurant, and he started to vent to me Dude, she's such a bitch sometimes. The other day, I forgot to take the trash out, and she threatened to stab me if I didn't. I've never been in a relationship where someone's threatened me, but she's got good intentions, dude. When he said that to me, I was concerned, but. Of course, we had only been friends for a month, so I thought that maybe he was being morbid jokingly, so I chuckled at him. He gave me a pretty serious look and said, I'm not joking, she really did. That concerned me. Fast forward about eight months. They're still together, and we all hang out pretty regularly, forgetting the things he told me then. One day, we were all talking, and he seemed a little off that day, so I asked him what was wrong in front of her. He flashed a smirk and said, Nothing, dude. I'm just a little tired. He didn't have his eyes on me, though. He had them on her when I asked that. When we went to work the next day, I asked him again. Do you promise to keep this between us? Of course, I agreed. He said that he was breaking up with her, and she went a little crazy. He said that she grabbed her gun and pointed it at him and said, If I can't have you, then no one will. He said that he defused the situation and is trying to look for a way out. Not really knowing what to say, I just said, You'll figure it out, man. If you need somewhere to go, then you can come stay with me until you get her out of the house. Fast forward to another year. He finally decided to leave her. When he did, she flipped out again. This time, he told her over text. She said that she was going to find him and kill him, and... He was actually out of work that day with a vacation day, so he sent me a text that said let me know if she comes over to work looking for me. That struck me as odd because I had no idea of the situation that was unfolding. She actually did come to our job and she asked me where he was and I said I have no idea. I thought he was with you and you guys went out of town or something. All she did was roll up her window and drive off. I called him and told him that she came by and he called the police about it. They had found her up the road with a loaded gun in her car. Two months later, he decided to talk to her again and when he did, he had something to tell me. When he called me, he asked if I had seen her around and I hadn't. He said, I would take some vacation days if I were you. Dumbfounded, I asked him why. He said to me, Because she's out of jail. And her cousins are in town trying to find the people she has personal vendettas with. You're one of them. At that point, I was terrified. I grabbed my kids and went out of town. Took two weeks off of work. Come to find out, that next day, her and her cousins went to the next town over and shot three people in an apartment and killed them. I got the news about it the day after it happened the reason why he knew that they were coming after me is because they made a Facebook messenger group that he was included in and sent a list of names. Everyone regarded it as spam and decided to disregard the message, but he knew what it was. Three of the names on that list were the people that they shot. The fourth name on that list was mine. After they found the evidence and he decided to go public about the group and screenshots that he had, they were all charged with first-degree murder. From then on, I was very careful about who I would stick my neck out for because even though he knew the context of that list and her intentions, he decided to not inform anyone else on it. Needless to say, we aren't friends anymore and I dodged a bullet. Literally. Stay safe, y'all.
1: You're listening to Disturbed from Disturbed Media.
4: Next up, we check in with an anonymous Reddit user, featuring voice work by Sarah Thomas. And we have a creepy encounter while babysitting.
1: This is something that happened this past Friday while I was babysitting. For a little bit of context, I'm 21, female, a college student, and have been babysitting since I was 14. I'm not an expert on literally anything. However, over the years, I have learned caution and resilience. At age 15, I took babysitting classes at our youth center, as well as a female self-defense course. So, I babysit at least once a month for this one family. I like them because they pay me more than my usual hourly rate, They have a big house with internet that I can use to do homework, and the two kids are surprisingly well-behaved and compliant. So the two parents have like a monthly ritual of going out around 5 p.m. and returning a little after 2 a.m. I'm always offered to sleep in the guest room and stay until morning. I usually just stay awake and abuse their satellite TV and then leave when they come back. The house is in a nice neighborhood without a whole lot of neighbors. Very quiet. Also, their house is armed with an alarm system that I have the code to and can arm and disarm it through my phone. That'll be relevant in a little while. So I always take the kids for pizza at this place that has an arcade. I do this so they tire themselves out and go to bed early. Plus, the little girl that I babysit is also on a mission to win a family of stuffed animals from the prize store. So I'd be the world's worst babysitter if I didn't guide her in the pursuit. And if anyone may be wondering, for whatever reason, after Friday night, she only needs the daddy-stuffed animal before her collection is complete. Go, girl! I was sitting at a table and watching them play in a ball pit, while also texting on my phone. This couple came over and sat at the same table as me. It was a long table with parents scattered here and there, so this wasn't alarming. The couple looked normal enough. Both were probably in their mid-twenties, possibly a little older, They talked to each other, but then the guy asked me, are you the one babysitting Dr. So-and-so's kids? So the parents of these children are both doctors and the specific region that we live in, this would be common enough information. But I still chose to answer their question with an irrelevant statement. I wonder what they use to make the pizza here. Yeah, I know, I'm a master of deception. I deserve an Oscar for my performance. However, they seem to see right through my clever ruse. They started making weird comments. They talked about the kids' parents. They commented on the daughter and how they wondered if she would look as pretty as their mom. Okay, my dudes, I don't know if that was intended to be creepy, but I'm just going to be safe and pretend that it was. Then the woman says to me, and I quote, Do they really let you dress like that while watching their kids? She motioned with her eyes towards my t-shirt Which was admittedly a little tight, though aside from a little bit of a bosom crack, not revealing. I have a thin frame and a large chest. It's 90 degrees in my region of the U.S. right now, so it's not like I can wear a hoodie. And my tits have a Crips and Bloods type relationship with any kind of shirt that has buttons. I saw that as my cue to go and get the kiddos and bring them to get their prizes so that we could bounce. After some very thought-provoking and philosophical debating, they both got their prizes and we headed back over to the house. So, fast forward a few hours. Both kids were bathed and put to sleep. I delivered a heartwarming rendition of Goodnight Moon and read a very spooky chapter of The Werewolf of Fever Swamp and tucked them into Dreamland. It was around 9pm. I was caught up on homework and was just watching TV when I heard some movement on the porch. I didn't think much of it at first, but the doorknob started rattling violently. I initially started moving towards the front door to see who it was, but miraculously, I remembered that it was late at night. I was home alone with two kids, and I very much wanted to live. I turned around to grab my purse, which is where I keep my taser. As I'm moving, the back door starts rattling as well and was accompanied by some banging noises. That's when I remembered that I hadn't enabled the alarm system after returning. Now, if this was a horror movie scenario, Of course, the alarm wouldn't have worked, and the intruders would have made their way inside. I hate to disappoint you if you were expecting something more exciting, but I enabled it again quite easily with no incident. I ran upstairs and grabbed the two kids. I put them in their parents' room in the walk-in closet. I still hate that I scared them. When I gathered them up, I gave no context as to what was going on. I didn't want to tell them that someone was trying to break into the house... But in the process, the fear of not knowing seemed to be worse. I instructed them to stay in there and stay quiet, and only to open the door if they hear me talking to them. I then locked the bedroom door, which is the only door on the upstairs floor that locks. I sat there with my taser out and hit the panic button on the phone app. Several minutes went by. Then I got the notification through the app that the alarm system was disabled. I planned on calling 911, even though the panic button already took care of that but I found it more beneficial to arm it back. Then it disarmed again, so I armed it again. By this time, I could hear what sounded like two sets of footsteps walking up the stairs. Good job, girl. You locked yourself inside with two potential assailants. I was holding it together for the sake of the kids, but not too deep inside, I was scared to death. When I heard the footsteps get near the door and saw the knob twisting, I took a deep breath and pulled the trigger on my taser just to let them know that I was armed, though it realistically wouldn't do much good. I informed them through the door that the alarm was triggered and police were on their way. Thankfully, I was greeted by a familiar voice. My name? It's Dr. His name. You're safe. I opened the door and ran into their arms and started sobbing. I hadn't realized truly until it was over just how scared I really was. The kids came out, without me giving them the okay, but... Their parents were there, so I'll let it slide. When I enabled the alarm on my phone, they both got the notification from the place they were at. With the app, you have the option to view the porch cameras as well. When they got the notification that the panic button was activated, they saw through the camera that there were people on each side of the house, one man, one woman. When the alarm kept disarming, that was them trying to get into the house. Police reports were filed by them, and I gave a statement mentioning the two weirdos I met earlier that day, even though there was really no evidence that would directly point to them. Camera footage didn't give any positive face IDs either. So, yeah, I was scared. I'm getting over it now. I'm just grateful that the couple that I was babysitting for were close enough to make it to me. I hate to say it, but I find the police response time to be terrible, I'm currently back in my own apartment an hour away. I checked in once to see how the kids were doing, and they're holding up fine. I'm just glad they had proper protection in their home, and that this didn't end up to be any worse. I'm Tanya Eby, and this is Disturbed.
4: This episode is sponsored by BetterHelp. Do you ever find that just as you're trying to fall asleep, your brain suddenly gets in the way? This is something I struggle with a lot. My mind just can't shut off as it recaps the day's events. Well it turns out a great way to make these racing thoughts go away is to talk them through. This is just one of the many benefits of therapy. And it's not just for people who've experienced major trauma. Therapy helps you figure out what's holding you back, so you can work for yourself instead of against yourself. Now, as a listener of Disturbed, maybe you've heard a story or two on this very podcast that deeply troubled you in a profound way. I've had a few listeners write in about this very thing happening to them. If there's something weighing heavily on you, better help is there so you can get out of your negative thought cycles and find some mental and emotional peace. BetterHelp gives you the added benefit of being entirely online, designed to be convenient, flexible, and suited to your schedule. You'll get matched with a licensed therapist, and if that one doesn't work out for you, you can switch therapist anytime for no additional charge. Make your brain your friend with BetterHelp. Visit betterhelp.com/dths today to get 10% off your first month. That's betterhelp.com/dths.
1: Price of participation may vary, cannot be combined with any other offer.
4: Ba-da-ba-ba-ba. My name is Bill Huffman, and I am a former Cleveland news producer, and I am now the host of the podcast, Who Killed? I began the show focusing on the unsolved murder of Amy Maholovic, and now each week I explore a different case with a focus on some of the victims who don't get the attention they deserve. I have a deep catalog of over 225 episodes, so there is a guarantee there will be something for you. Who Killed is an evergreen podcast, killer podcasts, and slow burn media production. Subscribe today, wherever you get your favorite shows.
1: You're listening to Disturbed. Now, back to the horror.
4: Up next we hear from Reddit user Robert812003 featuring voice work by Matt Bradford and we hear the voice in the basement.
2: Last night I couldn't sleep at all, which is fairly normal since I work graveyard shifts and it's pretty much turned me into a night owl. So even on my day off, I'm usually up all night long. So I'm up in bed watching a rom-com, laughing and in a great mood and decided I deserved to treat myself to the occasional drink. My bar is in the basement, which is fully finished and furnished. It's pretty much a man cave. I've spent entire nights down there by myself or with the gang and nothing strange has ever happened, so anything creepy or weird down there was absolutely the furthest thing from my mind. I finish laughing my butt off and I head down there. I go behind the bar, pour myself a drink, and head upstairs. But as I'm on the second to last step to the first floor. From behind me, I hear, hey. Now, it was an older man's voice, in their 50s, I think. I know the house is empty except for me, and it scared the absolute shit out of me. I looked down there, nothing moved or or spoke or came forward, and I freaked the fuck out. I jutted up the last two steps and slammed the basement door closed. I'm wondering, did I imagine that? Is there someone in my house? And As I'm standing there panicking, I hear the same man's voice coming from down in the basement but muffled by the door. By the intonation, he asked a question, then continued to talk right after. He was talking to me, the question sounded something like, where are you going? I couldn't make out much, especially what he said after that, but I was panicked, adrenaline pumping and I said, fuck this shit, someone broke into my house. I ran into the next room, grabbed my flashlight, my handy-dandy baseball bat and headed the heck back down there, but silence, just silence, Well, slowly I turned on every light in the room down there and prepared to bash some dude's head in, but nothing, every nook and corner checked in the basement is completely empty except for my panicking and heavily breathing ass, I noped the fuck out of there, I locked myself in my bedroom and spent the next hour in crisis mode checking my basement cameras which Show showed nothing and no one except for me pouring myself a drink, then coming back down there and running around like a madman with a bat a minute later. Anyway, I went down to the basement this afternoon after I woke up with my trusty bat in hand and I rechecked the whole place. I found nothing, no one, just me questioning both my sanity and reality. Look, I know what I heard, that guy was pretty loud and he was talking in my direction and at me. Even through the door, I heard him talking down there at me up the stairs. It seemed like he was trying to have a conversation with me. I've never had any kind of break-in. This is a very safe neighborhood, and there's never been any kind of remotely strange experience down there in my 15 years here. Does this stuff happen to people out of the blue, or am I finally losing my ever-loving mind? So, Quick update, it happened again at 1.50am. At this point, I believe it was most likely paranormal, and I think I'm going to go down there tonight to repeat the same exact process at the same exact time and see what happens. My curiosity has gotten the better of me, and I want to know what he or it has to say. If it's actually an intruder, I'm coming to prepare this time, but it should be very interesting. Okay, a second update. I've been down here from 1.45 until 3am walking around asking and looking and nothing part of me feels like it needs the darkness, or even just that element of unpredictability in order to manifest. Maybe it needs a buildup of energy which it discharged last night, so it's tapped out right now. No idea. Nothing to show for it tonight, but don't say that I didn't try. I'll try to keep you updated. I'll keep a keen eye on the basement, and if anything happens now, uh, you'll absolutely hear from me.
1: Looking for even more Disturbed? Join us on Patreon for ad-free listening, shout-outs, and Disturbing Calls bonus episodes at patreon.com slash disturbedpodcast. Apple users can subscribe to Disturbed Media Premium directly in the Apple Podcasts app.
4: And we close out the show with a submission from Diablo, featuring voice work by Tom Eglio, and we meet the living dead.
3: I don't normally listen to podcasts, but my wife insisted that I listen to one of your podcasts, and from there, I was hooked. Wife knows best. She also suggested for me to send a couple of my own paranormal experiences to share with you and the listeners. I hate writing at the best of times, but I finally have some time now to burn, so I thought, hey, why not? I was a bit hesitant to send this story as I've previously told it to other people, and they just laughed and called bullshit. But until something like this happens to you, don't assume and pass other stories as bullshit. Context: I'm a 47-year-old male. I was born in Colombia, South America, but moved to Sydney, Australia, in the mid '80s. My family in Colombia come from a town called Tunja, Boyacá. There are a lot of natives that live there and are very spiritual. Growing up, I remember all the stories our elders used to tell us kids about their encounters with the unknown. They always told us not to mess with it, to have respect for it, and to be careful, as there are powers out there that are beyond our comprehension and some can do harm. Although most people in Colombia are Catholic or Christian, my family's not religious. We respect other people's beliefs. We cherish the sun, moon, stars, and respect Mother Nature as did our ancestors. This particular experience happened in the early 90s. I was 16. By this time, I was already living in Western Sydney, still in high school. I was a teenager thinking shit would not touch me and was hanging out with some real jerks. (laughs) I wish I could go back in time and kick my own ass. We were always looking to have fun and at times to explore places that most people would find creepy at night. This particular night, we decided to go to a cemetery, just to have some drinks and tell bullshit stories to try to scare some of our other friends. But what we all ended up getting was the fright of our lives. There were 15 of us, half were girls, and it was a mixture of close friends and friends of friends, if that makes sense. We all traveled to the cemetery in three cars and went deep into the cemetery, away from the main road, just in case security or cops spotted us. We didn't want to get caught with the alcohol and some of the happy smoke some of us were having. We were all sitting in a clearing that was just on the side where we had all parked we could see the graves and headstones around us we were just having some beers and just being silly i remember that night was very dark there was no moon it was hot and the sound of crickets was very loud after a few drinks and happy smokes our fear slash creepy factor was gone so we all started to walk around the cemetery looking at graves and trying to scare each other we didn't have any flashlights and the only source of light we had was just our lighters Some of us went on other directions to explore the surroundings, and as bad as it sounds, some of us were getting a bit frisky with our girlfriends. get my drift. Yeah, I know. How fucking disrespectful. And believe me, that is something I'm not proud of and wish I could take back, because I believe a lot of bad things that have happened to me since then was because of that karma is real. After about an hour, we all sort of met back at the clearing we all initially sat at. At this time, it started to sprinkle a bit, and it got unusually cold. I say this because it was summer, and summer in Australia gets hot. Out in the west of Sydney where we live, temperatures get to 48 Celsius. That's 118.4 Fahrenheit. And during the night is not much better as it was that night before going to the cemetery. By this point, some of us have had enough and wanted to leave so we could satisfy the munchies we had built up from the happy smokes and wanted to get some hot dogs from the petrol station around the corner from the cemetery. It was about 2 a.m. Then one of the idiots that was not part of the close friend group said he was busting for the toilet. Of course, there were no open toilets and to everyone's surprise and disgust, He decided to just relieve himself on top of one of the graves that had just been laid to rest as the soil was high and fresh flowers were all around it. When I say relief, I mean urinate and defecate and then proceed to clean himself with the flowers on the grave. Some of us could not believe what he did and others were fucking laughing, which prompted this fucking idiot to start kicking some tombstones, causing them to fall and break, thinking it would make him look cool or some shit. At that moment, the feel of the place and the ambiance changed dramatically. Everything went silent. All the crickets stopped chirping, the light sprinkled turned to rain, and a thick fog was starting to build up. Then we heard what sounded like two pieces of concrete smashing against each other, and it was loud enough that all of us turned around at the same time and looked in the direction the sound came from. We thought it was that idiot doing more damage to the graves, but it wasn't. There, among the fog and on top of one of the tombstones, we all saw a lit candle. Now bear in mind, at this time it was raining. And through the night, we didn't see any candles, especially lit ones. One of the guys said, fuck off, no way. That must be one of those battery candles. The rain must have gotten into it, causing it to light up. We all looked at each other and brushed it off as that. His girlfriend then said, you always said that if you saw something spooky, you wouldn't run away, but instead we'll go investigate further. So go on. Don't be a pussy and investigate, Inspector Gadget. The rest of us laughed and said, don't worry about it. Let's just go and get some food. And it was starting to pour down, but No. He wanted to be a big man and prove to his girl that he wasn't spooked, so he walked up to the candle. This was about 30 meters from where we were all standing. When he got to it he shouted, shit guys this is a real candle, how the fuck is it still light with all this water? You could hear the fear in his voice as he turned to face us, then we all saw it, a misty figure formed with the surrounding fog in the shape of a human just behind the candle. It was huge, at least 7 to 8 feet tall. The figure then crouched and blew the candle off and that is when all hell broke loose. It was like a mini tornado hit us. It was raining heavily. There was flying debris. The wind was so strong that we had difficulty walking against it or with it. And the sounds. It sounded like deep growling and gut-wrenching screaming coming from all places. We all jumped into the cars to get away, but none of the cars would fucking start. There were three cars and all of them were drained of their batteries. By this point, some of the guys jumped out of the cars and started to run towards the entrance of the cemetery. But they were met with even bigger debris and dozens of smaller figures standing in front of their path. It was as if whatever was out there wanted all of us to get back in the cars. I mean, there was no other way to go but to the cars. We all made sure the girls were in the cars and the rest of us split to threes to push the cars towards the entrance. Whatever alcohol and other things we had in our systems had completely disappeared by now, and adrenaline and fear were running through our veins as we vigorously tried to get us and the fucking cars the hell out of there. As we were pushing the cars, we could all hear whispers around us saying, Get out. Faster. Don't come back. It felt like an eternity pushing those cars and we could finally see the lights of the main road from a distance but those shadows were still all around us and the debris were hitting us all over to the point some of us were bleeding with cuts and scratches from the debris all this time the guys on the driving side were trying to start the cars as we pushed to no avail we could finally see the main entrance of the cemetery and this gave us the extra strength to push harder as we reached the main entrance past the arch with the name of the cemetery it was as if nothing had happened nothing i mean everything stopped there was no rain, no wind, no Mr. Fog, no noise, just the sound of us panting and wondering what the fuck had just happened. Yeah, I think one of the guys literally shit his pants, but he will not admit to it, but we all knew. Once we had gathered our breath, we all just sat there. No one was talking, we just sat there for a couple of minutes until I said, how the fuck are we going to get these cars home? And then to our freaking astonishment, they all started at once. No one turned the key or tried to start them. The three cars just turned on by themselves at the same fucking time. We all knew that was our cue to jump in and get the hell out of there as fast as we could. We drove to the closest house of one of our mates that was part of close friend group and sat there in his front yard just lying on the grass and then we realized that everything was dry. It had not rained at all. In fact, there was no reported rain anywhere near. Our mate's house was literally three minutes drive from the cemetery and our cars and clothes were dry. How could this be? As we all remember how drenched we were when it was raining, we were all in disbelief and we even started to think we imagined the whole fucking thing but no, it did happen. All 15 of us experienced the same thing and some of the guys didn't even drink or smoke that night at all. We all went to our homes that night in a state of shock to say the least. The next day, some of us met up and discussed what had happened. We all agreed not to tell anyone about it as we had already talked about it with other people that were not there the night before and they all thought we were lying. I did go back to the cemetery a week later, just me and my then girlfriend. Not to do anything stupid, but to apologize for our behavior and pay respect to all the spirits that manifested themselves that night and to all the other souls that rest in the cemetery, promised to never disrespect or mess with the dead again, and laid fresh flowers on the graves that were disturbed. While we were there, we could feel something was looking at us. Not other people that were there, but something close to us that we couldn't see. As time went by, I lost contact with most of the guys that were present that night. Some of them got really messed up from the experience. Years later, we heard a couple of them were heavily into hardcore drugs and one had committed suicide. The guy that urinated, defecated, and broke the tombstones... For his actions that night, we think he was haunted to the point of despair and most ironically, he was laid to rest in that same cemetery. I only speak to two of the guys that were there on the night as we remained close friends for the last 30 plus years. We all got married and have kids now and when we get together we all agree on one thing, to teach our children the respect they must have for the dead, that there's definitely something after death. We lived it, we saw it, we felt it, we'll always remember it. I know I do as that night I got a nasty cut on my face that ended up needing five stitches, and that scar reminds me of that night every time I look in the mirror, and always I wish I had listened to my elders back to when I was a child. I know that since that night I somehow became more sensitive to the paranormal and have since experienced other events that question logic to its core, but those stories are for another time. Now, I just want to point out that whatever was out there in the cemetery did not portray like an evil presence as scary as it was. They just wanted us to get out of there. That was my feeling. What happened that night was definitely a warning. How the atmosphere of the cemetery changed the way it did that night. We'll never comprehend it. It was incredible. As real as it could get, I mean, what power can change the climate, make it rain, storm, make gale force winds, just within the confinement of the cemetery. Just thinking about that whole night gives me the chills every time. So to all those people out there thinking that going to cemeteries at night to party and disrespect the dead is cool, think again, as the dead may be more alive than you think.
2: Follow our social channels on Facebook and Instagram at Disturbed Podcast and on Twitter at Disturbed underscore pod.
4: Thanks to our sponsor, BetterHelp. Visit BetterHelp.com slash DTHS to get 10% off your first month of online therapy. If you enjoyed the show please consider joining PLUS at disturbedpodcast.com PLUS. But if you can't, consider leaving a positive rating and review on your favorite listening platform. Share your own true horror story at disturbedpodcast.com. Music by Carl Casey at WhiteBatAudio and Co.ag. Thanks for listening, and don't forget to stay safe out there, y'all.